Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to That Christian Geeky Couple. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam. And Andrew Graham. And we've got The Flash and uh, the episode Rupture. In which Zoom uh, decides to return to our Earth to take it over, reenacting exactly what he did on Earth 2. And Wells has an incredibly insane idea to give Barry back his powers. This, uh, and we spend most of the episode with uh, Barry caught between... Uh, Wells, who understands the only thing that could actually work, and Barry and Barry's uh, Barry's father and Joe, basically all giving him uh, conflicting messages. With Joe being unsure, with Henry being absolutely not, you shouldn't do this. You can be a good person just without being the Flash. True, Zoom could come in and rip out your heart and the heart of any of your loved ones at any moment, but hey, you could still be a cool guy. I mean, that's really what matters. I I mean, this was the main conflict of the episode, and it all just seemed like, like pointless in one way. I mean, the way the episode ends, you do see... Um... The ending of the episode sort of merited all that um, questioning and debating on whether this was a good idea, honey. But he was going to do it. I mean, it was the only thing that made sense for him to actually do. Yes, but as a woman, I really appreciated that careful consideration and considering all the, those different points. It was very realistic. Um. I mean, considering everything the particles accelerated, all the negative effects it had, the first time he would be insane to rush in right to do that again. He would be insane to deal with Zoom. A evil... Okay, it's kind of like the way some of us feel about this election. Our options here. He can have Zoom, who will definitely kill him. Or he can have the particle accelerator, who nearly killed him. Yeah, but Zoom is going to get you in the end. I mean. And the particle accelerator could kill him like it nearly did last time. But Wells, it's got his mad scientist crazy thing on. We're going to do this right this time. Even though it kind of ended up looking um, like it didn't when he apparently disintegrated. And let me say there was one thing in this episode that Zoom did that really just made me hate the guy worse. It wasn't when oh, he... we forgot to sing the spoilers. 
Sorry. Yes. Spoilers. Okay, so Barry is apparently dissipated into the ether, and Zoom comes in and to- and basically makes fun of their plight and goes, "Ha ha! This didn't work. It totally backfired. You guys stink." Now you can be a crazy, maniacal serial killer, but you can at least have the decency to not rub it in at a time like that. That's just being a jerk. What? <laughs> it's a, the only thing we should be amazed at and questioning is if he is ever not just a complete jerk and evil. A serial killer. Okay, well, I guess, you know, there are some well-mannered serial killers, uh, certainly in fiction. At any rate, um, now, of course, there's question as to what happened at the end of the episode. And I think a fairly good theory uh, is that Barry ended up in the Speed Force. And it's kind of confusing, but I have read a lot of the more recent Flash comic books. And the Flash has actually had a couple different adventures in comic books where because of various uh, forces, he is thrust into the speed force from which comes his speed. There are actually places. And there's a colony, uh, a couple times there have been colonies of people stranded in the speed force. Um, So that's probably where the Flash went. Uh, And we know that even though it looks like Barry was vaporized, that Barry is in the synopsis of episode 22. So that uh, uh, makes me think that he'll be back. And uh, particularly Grant Gustin is really... In your theory, how? Well, he'll get... Where do you think he is if he's not just disintegrated? He's in the Speed Force. And we'll find a way out of the Speed Force. Uh, by the end of the episode. The next episode, you mean? Yes. And the other thing that was, the one thing that was really cool about the episode is that uh, Jesse Quick and Wally West were locked inside a room for their safety, and Jesse broke them out, and they got out in time to be hit by the results of the particle accelerator explosion. And if you know your Flash comic lore, both of these characters uh, uh, carried the name of the Flash. So hopefully we'll have the power, their powers, and maybe it will be the Flashes. Well, wait, that sounds... So when will they discover... When are they going to discover the real gay Jarek and rescue him? And realize that a guy like... What's his name? What's his real name? Zolomon. Zolomon would, uh, I don't think he's really capable of pulling off that type of deception without having been impersonating someone himself, someone else he knew fairly well, i.e. his enemy. Let's see, what would the enemy I'm impersonating do in this situation? I can see his devious mind uh, figuring being able to think of that. I don't think, I don't see him pulling off, impersonating the, uh, the hero so well. Without there having ever been a real uh, Jay Garrick that he's captured. Well, I, I think that there is some truth to that, and 
one big... Uh, Plus, it kind of is more in keeping with the um, style of the writers of the series so far. Well, yeah, because if you go back to the comics, the original Flash in the comics was Jay Garrick, and for there not to be a Jay Garrick in it all, just to be a uh, um, an alias, I mean, that would be as silly as the Mandarin just being a guy, an actor who was hired to play the role and just being some British guy rather than being a mystical figure. I mean, nobody would make a movie like that. Yeah, but the Flash has that hasn't been the the mo of this series so far. Okay, true, and I was kind of dead panning that, so that was a reference to Iron Man three. Aware of that. I know, but the audience might not have been. Um, but I, I mean, it co- the question. Somebody who loves this stuff is enough to sit through a half an hour of us gabbing. Probably knows about that movie. Maybe they haven't seen it. You should go see it. Or about spoiling it. But it's a couple years old. Anyway. um, It comes down to that question of who is the man in the iron mask? And we got a slight hint uh, when it was referenced to there were Garricks in Barry's family uh, timeline. So that raises a couple possibilities. Possibility number one. The man in the iron mask is Jay Garrick. Possibility number two. The man in the iron mask is actually Earth 2's Henry Allen, who is also the Flash on that world. And the guy who plays Henry Allen played the Flash in the 1990s. I'm not... You know... I tend to think the first one is more plausible. Well, the thing is that if you... I would agree, but if you guess exactly what it is and it's the most plausible thing, then isn't that bad writing? Isn't that the fact that you're building up a big mystery and the mystery is obvious to the fans? Honey, Uh, how many times have they done the same thing just slightly different twice already? Okay, well, we'll see. Uh, we've only got three episodes left in the season. I will be pleasantly surprised if they guess out, except if their twist has anything to do with, you know, the their lead character being, staying dead. Yeah. You don't kill the Flash off of his own show. I mean... This is, we're not going to do another Peter Parker stunt and kill off your hero and just have somebody else play the part. No, there, you, especially, you've already established there's more to the Flash than the suit. That the man behind the suit matters. So you can't just kill off the man behind the suit and put somebody else in the suit. Well, that is true. I think they will do something that is classy and intelligent and at the high level of British entertainment. So I fully expect the berry that got melted away was actually a robot uh, with a bunch of tiny people inside. Tiny? (laughs) No, only Doctor Who is that twisted. Okay. And our final thing to talk about was a bit... Uh, In the Flash, he simply is actually in the Speed Force. Yeah. Uh, the final thing I want to talk about is Cisco and his brother Dante. And this was surprising because... No, you got to say it right, sister. Da- Cisco, his brother Dante, and his brother Dante. 
Yes, because we meet the other dimensional uh, Dante, who is the supervillain whose great supervillain power, which he will thwart all good on this planet, is he has a really cool scythe. What? He has a cool electric scythe. That is his superpower. That makes him a deadly threat, his cool electric scythe. Okay, the other... I think he just had the scythe. Um, I I do think it was a bit surprising because on one hand, Dante appeared in one episode and the relationship between Cisco and Dante was not really referenced. But they managed to build it up to be a thing, to be a plot point. Oh, they told us what their relationship was like in one Spanish word, honey. What word is that? Um, if I can pronounce it right, mija. Well, it's um. You do not say mija to a guy. It means, uh, my literally, it's uh, short for my daughter. It would be a lot like calling him a sissy or a puss when you're saying it to a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just says everything right there. Their relationship sucks. In that one word, they do not get along at all. Well, and there had been a thought that it had been resolved or gotten better as a result of what happened last season, but what happened last season happened, and then they just stayed apart and it was just like we will never, you know, we're just not close, not going to be close. And I like how they just had that scene to set it up. And then they really did have the payoff when they met after the Earth 2 version of Dante was uh, ki- was killed off by Zoom. Um, and I thought it, it was surprising. It was one of those things was not an ongoing relationship. It was just, just this insight into Cisco and uh, I thought I thought it worked pretty well, even though it was a bit of an add-on. Um, and of course, we're given some hints of some other things that are somewhat um, log- uh, logical, uh, such as the fact that there are probably a lot more metahumans out there in Central City, but that many of them just decided not to uh, either one not to turn evil. Uh, which they didn't mention as a possibility, but um, I, I think is actually a realistic possibility. Uh, you know, because I've got a double-jointed thumb, and I'm not going out there robbing banks with it. I mean, you might have some sort of metahuman double... double Maybe you've got double all it's your fingers... <laughs> it might be like a minor one. You know, I, I, we don't have the metahuman detector near me, but... Uh, you might have m- minor metahuman traits uh, that don't lend themselves to a career in evil, or you may not decide to get into a career in evil. You may decide... What's the point of a double-jointed thumb? I can do that. <laughs> but that doesn't do much good in audio. Do what? Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is not really um, in, uh, edifying to it's our... It's never quite understood. Well, it's 
it's a handy party trick conversation starter uh not very good for audio though um and the idea that there are metahumans out there who might be turning evil might turn evil and go on a rampage but really don't want to mess with the flash and now that the flash is known to be gone zoom has the chance to recruit an army and hopefully an army of villains who are a little more interesting than what we've seen on the show this season i th- it seems like they used all of the great classic flash villains uh, from last year, and so we've kind of been scraping the bottom of the barrel on the uh, villains that got introduced this season. I hope they come up with some interesting um, villains for the rest of this season and Can next you season. Can think of any from the comic books from your experience? Uh, there's ca- well, there's Captain Boomerang, but uh, Arrow got him uh, earlier. Um, he could get out and end up in Blast City. Yeah, and there are all sorts of possibilities. It'd be pretty dumb to stay in the same superheroes town. Yeah, well, there are also possibilities. You could even borrow from other rogues galleries. Um, I was just... So, in my opinion, it'd be kind of dumb, you know? I've not had any luck with Arrow, who doesn't have any superpowers. I know, I'll take on the Flash. She does have superpowers. Well, there are other possibilities. Could even borrow from other uh, from other uh, characters, particularly if they're not going to be used in movies. Like Batman's got a great rogues gallery. Uh, they borrowed Rachel Ghoul for Arrow. I mean, they could borrow the Riddler or uh, something. The Riddler. Yeah. Um, isn't that, he a little bit close to a Flash villain that they already got? The. Uh, well, the the prank the prankster, but he he actually the the yeah, current the prankster is a little bit more like the Joker. Yeah, they even had the same actor playing both of them. Yeah, we're kind of getting slightly off topic, but um, how is that off topic? Yeah, well, it's into a long, long topic. I think we're we're headed towards the rabbit trail. I see. But, uh, yeah, hopefully some better villains on The Flash. But anyway, as to this episode, how do I rate it? Well, I think it was better than last week, and it was still better than the week after. Uh, one review said that, the, and I think it, it also did something important with Jesse and Wally that's really got me curious to see what will happen next. Um, at the same point, I do have to agree with a review I read that said that the show is kind of having its plot hurt by its big stupid decision uh, in uh, to depower the Flash by having him give his uh, powers to Zoom. That still kind of overshadows it. Plus, the uh, guest villain beyond Zoom was not all that great, and there was some plot silliness. Still, I'll give this one seven speedsters out of ten. Hmm. It has some good character moments, but it also has some of the issues you've already mentioned, so I will say about a six. All right, and uh, we do have one item of news we'll discuss before I get into some of the solo reviews, and that is the big rumor Supergirl not to be back on CBS for season two, possible turn to the CW, um, which in order to lower budget it doesn't really matter a whole lot to us since we just 
since if it got onto CW, it might get onto Hulu, Hulu sooner. I do kind of wonder about the budget issues because it looks. I don't want it canceled. Moving is okay, but no canceling. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the show kind of got off to a rocky start, but it did get it did get better, and it's got some interesting characters and uh, some good potential. And I like what so much of what they did with Supergirl that I think I would really like to see it for another season. But CBS does have a way of canceling good shows, particularly speculative shows, before they can really fully get started. So I definitely hope that... That's not fair. Well, yeah, Now and Again ended on a cliffhanger uh, 18 years ago, and I still don't know what happened, so... um, That sucks. That's dumb. I know, but they do it. But at least this one didn't end on a cliffhanger. But hopefully we'll see a season two on either CW or CBS. All right, well now we turn to... Uh, some big finish Doctor Who audio drums and uh, two releases I'll talk about is uh, the main range release uh, Kingdom of Silver with Sylvester McCoy. Kingdom of Silver actually features two separate uh, stories, a three part and a one part. Uh, the first story is Kingdom of Silver and it ties into a couple of older Big Finish releases so it's a little continuity heavy but it's about a planet where uh, the Cybermen have a tomb like in the Tomb of the Cybermen however their technology has been found by natives who have actually adapted the cyber technology for positive purposes. There's a good bit of political intrigue, as is typical for Sylvester McCoy's story. And we also see the android uh, warriors from the Orion War, which were originally featured in the Sword of Orion. Overall, it's a decent release. The guest characters are not all that great, though the concepts can be kind of interesting. It was hurt a little bit by the three-part length, so I'll give this one six tortoises out of ten and for the second release is keepsake and uh it settles around the doctor arriving at a space junkyard and finding a part that uh, actually came from one of the androids he met so many uh, centuries ago. It's a very uh, interesting and engaging story about these uh, two characters who were pretty interesting in the main release. The Doctor really just playing a minor role. And it teases a bit of what would happen in Big Finish's Cyberman 2 release, which I haven't heard yet, but this definitely uh, did whet my appetite. So I'll give the uh, keepsake 7 tortoises out of 10 and six tortoises out of ten for the whole release. Then we turn to an older release, which is the Lou Garou. And uh, this one is a Peter Davison story. Uh, was the 20th uh, Big Finish release, and it stars uh, Mark Strickson as Turlow. So, and that's kind of rare, the Fifth Doctor and Turlow stories. I love the cover on that. It's uh, essentially, it's of them, of uh, the Doctor and Turlow, uh, and the statue of Jesus that is over uh, the city of Buenos Aires. And it has them arriving at uh, Carnival. 
where strange goings on are occurring with uh, werewolves. The writer really does a good job of developing the concept of how these uh, werewolves exist and where some of their existence ties in to much of the werewolf lore that we as humans have. The story does a great job of creating some memorable characters, although some of the background werewolves are a bit... uh, boring and passe and it's got a memorable almost a poetic feel at times i will say that uh, you there's definitely some indian spiritism that's worked its way into the story but it's folded into the narrative so it's not uh, overbearing the doctor has got a bit of a romantic subplot which isn't something we really uh saw with the fifth doctor on television but i think they pulled it off nicely in this release and uh, some great sense of pageantry overall the release earns a solid eight tortoises out of ten well now we turn to uh, a few books and first up is supergirl volume one power now this was the first volume of supergirl uh stories with the um post-crisis version of of Cara Zor-El. There have been a lot of uh, Supergirls out there, um, including uh, the character of Linda Danvers, and uh, Cara Zor-El brought back and more powerful than uh, Superman, with a lot of mystery as to who exactly she was and what her origin was. She was originally introduced in the previous uh, uh, volume of Batman Superman, which was also uh, adapted uh, into a uh, direct-to-DVD movie. And the book actually begins with an issue of Batman Superman in which she appears, Uh, which really does set the tone for excitement about this character and who she is. And I really enjoyed the Batman-Superman issue. The first few issues of uh, Kara's uh, own book were, um, I have to admit, a bit disappointing. She got shuffled from team to team. Uh, In the course of it, she interfaced with Teen Titans, The Outsiders, and the JSA. Essentially, we're getting thrown a lot of characters, and uh, you're uh, essentially dropped into the deep end of DC Universe continuity. And it's DC Universe uh, pre-last reboot, which makes it kind of hard for uh, readers who are newer to the character to catch up. Her confrontation with Lex Luthor uh, in the uh, third uh, issue of the series does kind of pick up the pace a bit, and we do end up with Kara facing an evil version of herself. Not an entirely original plot, but certainly uh, the plot does play out in terms of revealing uh, who... Uh, a little bit about her and deepening the interest. I may check out the second volume of this, but uh, overall, this one will just uh, merit a six uh, girl maids of might out of ten. And then we turn to the Tick Color Volume 2. The Tick Color Volume 1 was a bit disappointing. Probably the weakest Tick book yet. However, uh, Susan and Clay Griffith. Uh, 
took over writing on this, and the book actually turns out quite well. It collects uh, three different things. The Tick Days of Drama uh, miniseries, and then the Tick's uh, Big Xmas trilogy, and uh, then the uh, Comic-Con special. The Days of Drama series was brilliant. I think one thing that made the Tick Color Volume 1 so difficult to read was that the Tick's uh, superhero team kind of dominated the entire book. And essentially there were so many characters and essentially each character was essentially a, a single joke character rather than somebody who was fully developed uh, like the Tick and Arthur. But they all go off to Blissville where superheroes are all honored for defeating villains, and the villains are obliging enough to schedule their crime, and the heroes can schedule the intervention and spend the rest of the day lounging around. And the Tick is left to fight off a big crime wave, uh, and he needs help, and he meets a superhero mentor, but he's got an agenda that is... Um, quite uh, different with some ulterior motives. This is probably, uh, and I've, I've read all the Tick uh, series up to this point, this was probably the first really good, proper, um, you know, trade-length uh, story for the Tick that was incredibly focused. But it's well done. There are some really humorous bits. We really get to reacquaint ourselves with the Tick and focus on him rather than being drawn away by all these other uh, one-note characters who just kind of get their due. And uh, there's some nice humor around Blissville and uh, a very interesting resolution. At the same time, it does draw on the nature of the Tick as a hero. And I do think that sometimes uh, some of the writers for the Tick kind of just viewed him as a bit of a goofball. So I like this story. Extremely well done. Uh, great classic Tick story. Uh, and so I love Days of Drama. The big Xmas trilogy was good. It was not nearly as good as Days of Drama. In some ways, it played on the idea of the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas Carol where you had this sort of mishmash of all these elements there. Except uh, you had the ch chair-faced Chippendale and the Tick coming together to produce this Christmas pageant uh, at the end of issue one. Though, of course, Chairface had an ulterior motive. The story is a fun read. Not super, but still pretty good. And then we end with the Comic-Con special, um, which has the Tick and his super team showing up at Comic-Con, and the super team gets convinced quickly that... If they could only get the tick out of the way, they would get a lot more attention um, for their uh, own efforts. And at the same time, there is chicanery going on. It's a nice story, and I do like the way that it does deal with the super team. They might uh, return in a future comic book issue, but it allows it to be... Uh, closed off and nicely. Uh, and like, this is actually a very tremendous tick story. 
Um, simply put, one of the best. It's entertaining, it's energetic, and it's fairly accessible. I'll give it a solid nine spoons out of ten. Well, that's all for me. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.